business to new insane revenue levels doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about the right strategy, team, efficiencies, and confidence. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Evolution Podcast. With over 1 million downloads, it's the go-to business podcast dedicated to business owners who want to evolve out of operating in the day-to-day and make their dreams come true. I'm your host, Annette Walter, and I'm so happy you are here. As a former banker, I have now been an entrepreneur for over 15 years and have started, grown, acquired, and sold over 20 multi-million dollar companies to date. Together, you and I will strengthen your existing business, build your dream team and process, grow your wealth and legacy, all while surrounding you with a community of rockstar entrepreneurs just like yourself. Are you ready to evolve? Let's get started. Hi there, entrepreneur. Welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur Evolution Podcast. I am so happy you are here. And before I introduce today's guest, I want to personally invite you to schedule a call with me to talk about you and your business. I know that there are pain points in your business right now because I'm seeing a lot of consistency on the sidelines in my coaching groups and also in my one-to-one session and on-site sessions with leadership teams. It's okay. Your business does not have to be perfect and you do not have to figure this all out on your own. So if you haven't already, make sure you carve out some time, schedule some time for a call. Let's talk about your business. It's a safe zone, judgment-free zone, and it's highly confidential. So click the link below and make sure that we get to spend some time together talking about you. Today's guest is Susan Ashford. Sue is the Michael and Susan Jandernoa Professor in the Management and Organizations Group at the University of Michigan, and most recently, the author of an amazing book called The Power of Flexing. Make sure you listen to this podcast to the end. She gives you so many great tactics on what to do and how to implement certain strategies in your business as it relates to showing up and confidence and really being present in your business. And uh, there's even a quiz, um, the flexibility quiz that you can take to understand how to change your behavior, develop soft skills, and achieve personal and professional growth through these small experiments called flexing. I'm telling you, make sure you listen to the end. Um, It's going to be great. So I am so grateful for all of these amazing guests. We've had so many authors on this podcast alone. So if you're looking for good books, make sure you scroll through. Um, I know you will find one here. Today's with Susan Ashford about how to use small daily experiments to create big life-changing growth you will love. So enjoy, enjoy our conversation. And as always, I enjoy you being here. Keep evolving, entrepreneur. I'm so, so proud of you. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I can't believe this is finally happening. I know. Here we are. How is your day going so far? Oh, it's been a good one. Yeah. Gray outside, but it's Michigan. Wonderful. Well, you know, you just kind of keep on plugging along. I'm in Baltimore and it, it's it's a great day here too. Yeah, yeah. Well, congrats on the book. Thank you. Thank you. It has been a boatload of fun, I have to say. First book I've ever written. Oh, it's amazing. 
That's great. And, uh, We're going to get into detail on that. I want to hear all about it. I'm just going to pull up my notes here to sure. make sure that I have um, your exact title, Sue. Uh, Michael and Susan Jandernoa, Professor of Management and Organizations. Okay. Michael and Susan Jandernoa, Professor in the Management and Organization Group, correct? That's fine. Yep. Okay. All right. When I got the, it's a chaired professorship, so someone donates money to support the chair and Mike Jandernoa donated the money. And when he met me, he said, you're going to spend the rest of your life teaching people how to pronounce this name. <laughs> well, I liked how you phonetically had it mapped out in the bio. Oh, did I do that for you? Someone did it. Yeah. So someone did it for you, which was nice. That was me. Okay, great. All right, good. Well, I am ready. Um, if you are. Anytime. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. I'm going to stop the Welcome, Sue. How are you? I'm good. Very happy to be here. I am so happy you are here. Today we are joined by Sue Ashford. She is um, associated, or actually the professor, right, of Michael and Susan Gender Noah, professor in the management and organization group at the University of Michigan, which you told me was going to be a mouthful when I <laughs> said it, and there you go. That was my mouthful. How's that sound? <laughs> good job. Good job. And um, a new author of your new book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, very exciting. It's actually my first book, which is unusual among my colleagues, but um, it's been very fun to have it out there and to hear back from people about it. It's fabulous. And we're going to get more into the book um, shortly because I know everyone in this audience will benefit from reading it. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story. And you could start wherever you want. You can go back to, you know, when I was five, I knew I wanted to be a professor to, <laughs> to where you are right now or, or an author, right? There's a book in all of this. So go ahead and start wherever you want, Sue. Tell us your story. Yeah. So I've been a professor for a while. I found this field at the very end of my undergraduate career, and I pretty much fell in love with this idea that we could make organizations better contexts for people, and also that people can be more effective in the organizational context they choose. And I really wanted to be a part of helping uh, my students to achieve that and so forth. And so um, I was a professor at Dartmouth College, the Tuck School of Business, and got recruited here to Michigan and have been here ever since. I've spent a lot of that career focused on leadership development. How do you help people um, to be better leaders? And in my mind, it's to, to have more impact in work and uh, in your organizations of whatever size. And how do you lead? Um, and the framework that became this book started out as a leadership development framework. Okay. And then it kind of got expanded during the book writing process. Okay. So, so how would you define in a simple sentence leadership? Well, leadership is a social influence. So it's got to be between people um, aimed at sort of identifying and making attractive a certain objective and motivating people to go towards that objective. Okay. So if, you know, for your audience, it, you know, people start and affirm with a dream and a hope and 
their goal is to be able to articulate that in a way that's motivating to the people that they bring on board or to investors in a prior step, and then motivate and keep motivating people to go towards that objective. And there's one other element, even if you're not trying to go anywhere, which most business people are, leaders still have a job, which is to um, really set the culture. What are, what are we going to value in this organization? How are we going to get work done as we move towards our objective? Um, and those three things make up leadership in my mind. And that was amazing. And there's, there's, oh my goodness, there's so much here that we could talk about, right? I know mm-hmm. that we have a short amount of time, but first of all, I went through the um, Tuck School of Business, a short program nice. uh, through WeBank, the Women Business Enterprise National Council, which was fabulous. Everyone was amazing. So I highly recommend that to anybody out there that is currently WeBank certified. I have a pretty picture of the book here. I don't have the actual copy, but the power <laughs> of flexing. I love the ladders on it. Talk to me about the inspiration behind the ladders, a short ladder, a medium ladder, and then a larger, longer ladder. Yes, we we argued over what graphic would be on the cover. Um, the subtitle uh, is the it's the power of flexing. And the subtitle is how to use small daily experiments to achieve light, big life-changing growth, which has got a lot of hyperbole in it, but it's really about how and how can you flexibly incorporate your own growth into your personal agenda? And so the ladders, they don't really represent flexing very well, but they do represent growth. How can we be a different person today than we were yesterday, all with the aim of growing into our best self or whatever we're trying to achieve in, in life or in work. You know, and as, as a business owner, I get that question all the time. How do you do it all? How do you really get, you know, run two companies, have a family, da, 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 da. And I honestly, it all starts with my, with me getting better every single day and, and exercise and mental and all of that. So tell us some of those tricks of the trade in there. Nice. The books, give us some stuff. Yeah. I felt like we needed a different methodology for leadership development, whether you're in a big organization or trying to run a small organization, you know, a lot of our methodologies are sort of what you experience at Dartmouth. We identify high potential people and we send them off to programs. The problem is two things. One is we need more leaders in more places than just those high potentials. We need to really sort of build the leadership of all our people And second, most people can't take time out and go somewhere. So I really applaud you for doing it. And so what I was trying to develop is what are some techniques that you can use? I call them practices you can use to grow from what you're already doing anyway, because no one has time to add something new to their agenda. Um, So I tried to come up with practices that would allow you to grow from the experiences you're having anyway. Mm-hmm. And if I could go on, it all starts with this idea from the leadership development area, which they call the 72010 rule. And it's not really a rule, it's an empirical finding, but they talked to people very high up in organizations who were considered very effective. And they said, How did you learn to do what you do? And they said, You know, 70% I learned from experience. 
the experiences I was having building an organization, Mm -hmm. um, managing a team and so forth. 20% I learned from other people, either observing others or uh, having someone, you know, mentor you. And only 10% I learned from books and classes. And I thought this was great. The world loved this. And the world said, academia, figure out what are the characteristics of experiences that really teach people a lot. And we'll put our high potential people in those, mm-hmm. which they started to do. But there's nothing inherent in the process. There's nothing inherent about being in an experience that means you learn anything from it. Mm-hmm. So well, where I started was experiences don't teach. You need to learn. And so what are some practices you can do that allow you to learn more from the experiences you're going to be having anyway about yourself, your personal and interpersonal effectiveness so that you can be a better leader? And then during writing the book, we said, well, a lot of people want to be more personally and interpersonally effective, whether you're a a parent or Mm -hmm. a sibling or a member of a church or synagogue or a community member trying to be more effective. So we should really talk about the practices as enabling growth for anyone, anywhere. Um, How do you get more out of, how do you capture that 70% fully? How do you get more out of your experiences as learning for you Mm -hmm. so that you can grow? So how do you do it? Okay, well, um, go ahead, give book, us the magic sauce, Sue. Let's go. <laughs> the book outlines six six practices that if you you could use. If you used any one of them, you would learn more. Mm-hmm. But if you give us together, one, give us your favorite. I will. But if you put together all six as kind of a, a system, you're going to learn the most. Okay. Um, I don't really have a favorite, but I'll go to ones that that get to the heart of the question I get most asked about this book, which is, what do you mean by flexing, right? People ask me that all the time. And and the first meaning is what I just described. We need a more flexible approach to leader development so that leaders can learn on the job as they're going through what they're doing. The second meaning is we can be just a lot more flexible about our growth, not treated as monolithic such that it becomes a Thing you'll do someday, a there and then thing, right. but rather something we can sort of flexibly tackle here and now. Right. And you do that by one, and I'll talk about two of the practices. One is bringing a, a focus about you that you'll take into your experiences. So it really asks you, where is it you need to grow? And people get ideas about this from a lot of places. I'll just name two. One is sometimes they have fantasies of the future. Like for me, future Sue is going to be not stressed, very calm, very present, um, not anxious. Uh, You know, present Sue hasn't managed to do that on a day-to-day basis, but future Sue. So you have a fantasy about a more organized you, a more approachable you, a more warm and and, uh, listening you. Mm-hmm. And you could adopt that as a goal to work on, or you get your goals from the pain of the present. So there's something in your current environment where you know something isn't working. Mm-hmm. You now we interviewed over 75 people for the book, and one of them said one day his boss came in and said, "You know, you're a 99 percenter. 
And he's like, 99%, that's pretty good. And then he's like, but his voice tone doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. And indeed, his boss wasn't complimenting him. His boss was saying, you take things almost to the end. You don't actually close them out. Mm. And, you know, when your boss brings up something that directly, that is the pain of the presence. Like, okay, there's something I'm not doing that I need to do. So what you can do is once you've identified that thing, you can create it as a, a, take it on as a goal to learn and grow around Mm -hmm. in the experiences upcoming. Mm -hmm. So I can give you an example. So Simon was um, about to start running a task force. It was going to last nine months. Okay. He was in a very humanistic organization, very people-y, you know, organization. And um, he said about that time, one more person than was comfortable had described him as formidable. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this is not good. You know, like people, you know, I'm in a people oriented company and if I'm formidable, I'm not going to be approachable. And so he set a goal to try to become more approachable. And he decided he was going to work on it, doing what he was going to have to do anyway, run this task force. Mm-hmm. So that's the first practice, create more of a focus around you that you can take with you into the experience. And then the second one is kind of the heart of flexing, which is try some experiments. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to sort of go into therapy for months and months, figure out what it's all about, and then right. voila, you could change. You could decide, I'm going to try three things in this set of experiences I'm about to have for Simon running this task force. I'm going to see what makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So Simon set, did set three. Mm-hmm. He decided... We have a lot of meetings, like let's say once a month. He goes, I'm going to come early and greet everybody when they come. Mm -hmm. That way, you know, we have a personal connection and they'll feel like they can raise issues with me, come to me with any concerns. Right. He said his normal pattern would be to literally wait until the time, then rush into the meeting, like start the task right away. But this forced him to, you know, make more connections with people, hopefully move the needle on his approachableness. Second is he decided to sit on the side of the table, not on the head. So to move away from the power position, which kind of creates a barrier Mm -hmm. and be more with the people, you know, so that the junior members on the committee maybe would feel less of a distance. And the third was probably his most powerful experiment, but it, it was also the most simple he decided to smile more. Mm-hmm. And he realized about that time that his resting face was probably not as bad as the one that just went through your listener's mind based on. Right, right. <laughs> but it was a somber, serious. Right. He might be thinking very warm, caring thoughts, but it didn't it's hard get to, to read. his face. Mm-hmm. So he decided to smile more. So then you go into your, your experiences. You've got this these experiments you've decided on. And then, the, you, you know, there's other steps, but, you know, now you're trying something new. You're out of your comfort zone of your usual habits, and you're just going to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what he did. That's kind of the heart of, of the power of flexing, which is getting more out of your experiences by creating a focus of learning for you and also trying some new things. 
Absolutely. And, and I love how you simply illustrated that and they are simple things. It's not going, taking off and having to hibernate to complete your MBA, right? It, it is basically things that you can start to do, start to flex on the daily. It's great. I love, I love how you put that. Yeah. I say it's like changes not, doesn't have to be monolithic. You can start working at it from the edges, you know, and pretty soon you've carved out really the person you want to be. Right. Well, and I went through this exercise this week and it was like, what do you need to stop doing that isn't working to get you there? Right. It was in one of my groups and it was, and, and everyone really stopped and thought about it. And it was like, I need to give up this habit or I need to start this habit. And it's a small little thing, but even that word habit is overwhelming to people as well. So it's just that little change, little experiment. You're just going to try it. Right. And and then you lay it down if it doesn't work. Um, You know, one of the things you have to do is you have to make sure there's a way to remember your experiments in your experiences, because experiences are kind of chaotic. There's a lot going on and, you know, it's easy to forget. So what Simon did is, first of all, he set a timer 10 minutes before every one of these meetings, and he made a commitment that he would literally stand up and go when that timer went off. Mm -hmm. So that enabled him to be there. Um, and he had a reminder every time the timer's off. I made a commitment. I go, right. The second is, I mean, sitting on the side wasn't hard. He was there early. He could just put his stuff down, you know, where he wants. That wasn't hard to remember. And for smiling, he did something I thought was pretty clever. He just put a little post-it with a smiley face on his materials for the meeting. And, you know, it's pretty unobtrusive. If someone asks, he'd say, oh, my kids do that, you know, but but he would glance down and rem- oh yeah, I want to smile more. You know, and it right. would remind Absolutely. him. Absolutely. I have that literally right here. <laughs> the camera is. It's like my reminder. Um, but I like, so he sounds like a very methodical guy that needed to be more empathetic. Right. So, and that, and empathy is a huge leadership trait. So he took a process to help himself become more empathetic, which is great. That's just such gold. Everything that you just shared about Simon. Uh, How's Simon doing? Good. How's he doing? Simon's doing. Yeah, no, he's doing well. I mean, you know, you know, there's a a apocryphal story that says if we all took our issues and wrapped them up in wrapping paper and put them in a circle and we all sat around and picked a box, we'd probably pick our own box (laughs) once again. Like, you know, our issues stay with us as our issues. Right. But I and you know, and sometimes we're back there again, mm-hmm. where somebody, you know, calls you formidable when you want to be approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at it as don't think of that as a failure. Just think of it as you're visiting, you're visiting again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to make your visits shorter and farther in between. Mm-hmm. But chances are, you know, sometimes it'll fall back, and you know, but simple reminders just kind of help you to sort of remember. Oh yeah, that that issue is still with me. You know, one of the steps towards the end is reflection, right? Where you reflect on, you know, do I kind of have this down now or do I need to keep working on it? Mm-hmm. And I think about the people that you talk to, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, they are so crucial in any environment they're in. You know, every action and inaction on their part is mined for meaning by everyone around them. You know, I have a, a, a comic I like to put up that shows the boss sitting at the end of the table and the boss, 
you know, has a thought, but everyone has a thought bubble around the table. The boss says, I wonder if we're lowing, running low on pencils. Mm-hmm. And around the table, everyone's like, oh, he hates me. I'm too old. He's going to fire me. The company's going on. You know, people are mining your behavior yes. for meaning all the time. And so, you know, you need to keep your personal and interpersonal effectiveness on your agenda because, you know, what might be an issue at one stage when you're this small there's a different issue when you're this big, you know, and, and as you grow um, and as more people come and as the system gets more complicated, you know, I think growing and having growth on your agenda for an entrepreneur has to be pretty essential. Absolutely. And not just growing the firm, but growing yourself. Right. Well, and you know, I, my philosophy in, in my businesses is honestly, when you grow your people, your company grows, it's the, it's really the only way. So when you can make, when you can take your leadership and make leaders beneath you and continue to grow, groom them and grow them and whatever they need in work and life and personal, right? Love it. Yes, that's love when it. stuff really soars. You know, yeah. that's when you can just, you get to new levels and they get to new levels. It's amazing when that happens. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, towards the end of the book, I, I write about a part that all my friends who don't work read it. They go, yeah, that last part was kind of boring, but the part people that do work and what, from what you just said, it's really essential. The end of the book is about, well, we don't need to just let people wander around in the wilderness, hoping that they'll do these things. We, because we have organizations could set up things around people to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, we could create a culture that's all about growth and learning. And I give examples of organizations that have done that and some of the supports you could put in place so that, you know, people are encouraged to learn and grow Mm -hmm. and supported in it and held accountable for it. And then you get what you've talked about, which is not just uh, I'm growing, but we're all growing. Right. But even to flip that to motherhood and fatherhood and Mm -hmm. parenting, it's really what it is. We're trying to just develop these little leaders, you know, yes. and surround them with as much as we can. And we need to keep on stepping up and showing up as the leader of the family, but it's hard every day. Right. But you just have to keep on doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It really requires a lot on your part. If you really want to truly create a learning organization, mm-hmm. the one I hold up is Microsoft and not just because of its popular press, but also I talked to several of our alums who work in Microsoft to get kind of the inside skinny. And they had a new CEO several years back now who really believed in learning and growing. Um, and he really put that on the, he said, I want to create a, a not a know-it-all culture, but a learn-it-all culture. And he really put that on the agenda to push that all the way down. Some top managers left, some stayed Um, They started doing practices like, um, you know, you go for your quarterly meeting with your manager and they ask you now, well, how have you personally grown since we last talked? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out if someone's going to ask you four times a year, you're going to start paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. But one thing happened early in his tenure. He made a big gaffe, very public gaffe, Mm -hmm. basically in a conference a woman asked him, how should women um, uh, do better at 
you know, their salaries, you know, and reducing the pay gap. And he said, oh, women really shouldn't do anything. They should just trust the system and the system will take care of them. And you can imagine this did not go down well in the public media and so forth and, and, and among his own employees. Right. So, you know, I remember talking to one of our students who said, oh, I'm going to go to Microsoft. I go, oh, you really want to go there? That CEO, you know, said this. And she said, no, you should look at what he's done after. Right. What he did after, which was to really own up to the mistake, talk about it publicly with people in lots of fora where he said, I needed to learn. And that, you know, and it wasn't in the in a a pat patterned way. It really was in a sincere way, as as reported by my student. So she felt comfortable going there. She didn't feel like, oh, he wasn't a guy who didn't get it. She felt he was a guy who needed to learn and showed that he had. I like that, the learn it all culture. So Sue, let's bring it back to you. So what what are you learning right now? Where, where are you growing? If you have those moments where you feel like you need to improve, what's your, what's your go-to phrase or mantra to keep you going? Yeah, growing? my thing now, one of my friends was visiting and walked around with me for a day. I was, I had a lot of, I do at errands. And I was, she, she, we were just, you know, we just chatted as we did it and we had lunch and did more. And she listened to me for a day and she said, Sue, you need to make more of your have to's want to's. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, you always say, well, I have to go here and I have to do this. And then I have to do that. And she said, you know, if you made it want, I want to, um, it would help you with what I'm working on, which is uh, doing my what I've committed to with joy Mm -hmm. because I often commit to something. And then as I'm doing it, it feels like I have to, Mm -hmm. and yet I wanted to do the thing. I wanted to write a book. And so I started this practice with the book. I committed to writing the book with joy. Mm -hmm. And those two words really changed a lot for me. Um, And they do in my, my day-to-day life, you know, what, what do I get to tackle today right. is different than what do I have to tackle today? That's it right. right. Your perspective. And it's, it's been helpful to me. I love it. I love it. The want to get to right. Versus the have to, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So how can we support you? How can this audience find the book, follow you, support you? What do you need from us? How can we help you? Well, um, two things. I have a website, susanashford.com. You can take a quiz to see how good you are at flexing, just sort of naturally. I I also have been giving uh, keynote talks. I gave two last week, and they just bring me such joy because people find it so valuable. So I would love to do more of that. So if you ever have a need, um, you know, think of me. You know, it really is designed to be both inspirational. Uh, we all can grow mm-hmm. and empowering about growth, but also practical in giving people some, you know, real tactics for how they might go about that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, congratulations to you, you. on your continued learning journey, on you. everything you get to do and want to do and on the book and everything. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your story here with us today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Wow. What an episode. Did you learn something new? 
I hope so. I am so happy you were able to be here with us today. I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a review and I will be sure to read it and respond to you. Also, if you'd like to email me, my email address is urock at iEvolveConsulting.com. Hit subscribe and every Tuesday you'll get notification when the next episode drops. We really have some amazing interviews and tips in the future. Anything you need, I'm here for you. I want you to keep your momentum. I want to help you stay accountable. I want you to stay inspired. I want you to evolve. So please let me know what you need and I'd love to hear from you. Take care until next time.